Well, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I'll talk to church on this side. Always good to be in the house of the Lord because it's a house of joy. That's what the Bible says. It's a house of joy. And so it's always good to be there. And when all said and done, Christmas is, is announced to the world in the context of joy. When the angels came, the context was joy. They said, we've got good news for the world. Joy. Hallelujah. So I intend to be joyful tonight. I don't know what you want, but but today there's been just just a number number of threads that are just walking through this uh, service because there are angels here. And so... And, and oh yeah, boy! On Friday night, I, I had a very brief angelic visitation, and uh, I got this message, which was when I preached. I preached in Auckland this morning at the Catch the Fire Church, and uh, <laughs> 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 I know what that's like. It's very good. I was I was at an apostles meeting and meeting of the international apostles in, in America a few years ago, and there was a seer prophet. He he saw things, and and I was doing this. Oh, what's that? And he said, "There's an angel behind you, and he's just tickling you, and and he's got this big grin on his face, and he's just." And I said. And people can hear these things and go, why would God do that? Because he's God. Because <laughs> he's God. <laughs> so anyway, I was told to pray for the fourth row because they, they meet in a, like a theater arrangement in the Auckland University. And fourth row on the left from the back, from the top. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I get up. And all through the worship, I've been watching this young man, man, young man, who's playing the saxophone. And I was like, am I supposed to prophesy over him? Why? What am I supposed to do? When I got up, fourth row from the back there, guess who was there? The young man and his mother and his father. And the Holy Spirit came down, boom. And it's like, because you see, God knows exactly where we are. And there are times when we, we forget that that uh, he, he knows exactly what we're going through and, 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 and he's developing us to be overcomers. I, I'll, I'll just say again, he's developing us to be overcomers. And sometimes we go, rawr, rawr. I mean, why cooperate with the doubts of the devil? Instead, let's just learn how to be an overcomer. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's going, yeah, well... <clears throat> I, I have a this message God downloaded into me, and, and so if it comes out a bit discombobulated, it's because I am getting discombobulated. But there is a, a question I have for you. Are you an inheritor, inheritor, whatever way you want to say it in good England, or a pillar of salt? So that's a good question. And obviously it comes from uh, things in Scripture. When Jesus was born, there's a context there 
it was, along come the wise men, and the first question they have is, where is he who is born king? The whole question of kingdom was right there at the very essence of the Christmas story. And so they came bearing precious gifts to acknowledge a king. I don't imagine they had gone down to Pete's Emporium to find something that they could just at the last minute give. I don't imagine they went to the $2 shop. I don't imagine they trawled the rubbish tip to find something. These were, in their mind, they were gifts fit to give an emperor, a king. So right at the start of the story of the invasion of Jesus into this earth, there's this value And what the kingdom is all about. There's a, 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 a revelation of value as to what the kingdom is all about. I loved what Beth said when she was uh, just doing some of the prophetic things before. When she said, Jesus died so we can have life. He rose again so that we can have victory. He ascended on high so we get the Holy Spirit. Ha! Ooh. He ascended on high so we get the Holy Spirit. Ah. Let's never forget that He ascended so that we get the Holy Spirit. Because He said, I'm going to ascend. I'm going to go back to the Father so that the promise will come. And the Holy Spirit on earth is the evidence of the resurrection. And, and what value do we place on that? Because it's the evidence of the kingdom. It's the evidence of victory. It's the evidence of authority which is not set in the wall. Things of this world. So that was at the start. During the teachings of Jesus as he was with his disciples, he gave what we call the kingdom parables giving the culture of the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom. He was establishing some kingdom thinking. And then, what did Pilate say? Well, come on, tell me, are you a king? And his answer was, this is the reason I was born. That's why I was born. You see, many people only stop at the Saviour but it's actually Saviour and Lord. It's that authority which is equally that we have to place great value on. Jesus didn't die to give us fire insurance from hell. He died 
so that His authority is demonstrated on the earth. I have the privilege to try and speak next Sunday night. But one of the things God spoke to me was for next Sunday night is, just as it's a season of giving gifts, I've got gifts to be received as well. We all like getting natural gifts, but so many times we don't know how to receive the gifts that God wants to give. We don't know how to unpack them. We don't know how to, to do them. See, all, all of Scripture is designed to teach us how to live as citizens of heaven. I'm very proud of my Kiwi passport. I'm very proud that so many places I go to around the world, they, 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 they just stamp everyone else's passports. I've seen them do it. But when they pick up a New Zealand one, they, hmm, it's, it's different. It's got pretty pictures all the way through. It's got the nice silver fern. It's a, okay, that's a nice passport. I know. And you can't have it. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> I've been in a couple of countries where they wanted to go away and check something, and they, it's really not very nice when you see the security person, the, the, the immigration man, walking away with your passport, and it's like, I don't even know your name. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to just go on a little journey in Scripture tonight. Not going to be too long because we've got some anointing to get into. Hebrews 6. Let's just look at a few couple of verses here. Hebrews 6, verses 10 and 12. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor and love which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire, we desire that each one of you, oh, that angel was just behind me. And he's, hey, angel, go and talk to Tom. <laughs> and we desire that, he, <laughs> that each <laughs> <laughs> and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the oh no he's got one and I've got one to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises there's a couple of things here this is an important part of kingdom living and, 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 and there's things in here that's the reference point for our life, not just for the present, but for the future. What is All through Scripture it says that our reference point is not found in the present, but in what's to come. We don't look at what is seen, but at what is unseen, Paul writes. He, he says that I hasn't seen what God has in store for us and not that we've already attained, he also wrote, but that we press on. And we're hearing tonight, we press up. And we let the Spirit take us into higher places. And, but just notice what it says in this passage, that God's looking at what we've done for his name. 
what we've done for His name. For His name. And that's a really good reference point for us. What have we done for His name? We, so many times we say, well, we're doing it for His kingdom. But here it's saying, for His name. That God's not unmindful to forget what you have shown towards His name. What value have we shown towards the name? What, what price have we been willing to pay for the, for, for the, for the value of the name? What have, we, what have we shown towards His name? That's a really good question. And the Holy Spirit comes and brings revelation on the name of Jesus. And of course, we have the, the, the story of the gate beautiful in, 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 in the book of Acts where Peter and John come along and they go, silver and gold have I, I, we don't have, but we have something else. And they placed value on the name of Jesus. But we have the power of the name. In the name of Jesus, just get up and walk. Why, why were they able to do that? Because they had before that placed great value on the name. And there are so many times that, that people don't have value. They just put some sort of spiritual, religious mantra on the name. And so you go, well, they just prayed in the name of Jesus. But what value had they put on the name before they did that? Because it's here it's saying that God won't forget the value we've placed on the name. Oh, but just going, continuing through this passage, just because we're going to finish soon. Ah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because Christmas is coming, the geese are getting fat. It's like... <laughs> but look what it says as we continue to read through this. He wants that you do not become sluggish. You don't become sluggish. What does it mean to become sluggish? It means other things start to become more valuable. That other things start to take priority. Some translations, they say, you don't become lazy. Others say, you don't become spiritually dull and indifferent. Others say, you don't become slothful. What it's saying is, you have placed wrong values on things. Oh, It is saying that it's possible to lose our fire and our passion. You know, we live in a world today where people say that they are time starved. Time. People say, I'm busy. I, I, I don't have time. I, I don't have time. We don't have a time problem in the world today. We don't have a time problem in Christianity today. We have a passion problem. Because what you're passionate about, you've always got time for. We have a fire problem. And we need fire. Because when you've got a fiery passion, you're going to find time for it. Let's face it, even in the natural, if there's a big fire suddenly comes, suddenly the whole of a city will go and have a look at the fire. They find time suddenly to... Like Moses who saw a fire and he says, I'm going to turn aside and see this fire. Folks, 
We don't have a time problem in Christianity or in the kingdom. We have a fire and a passion problem. And that's why God, I believe, is getting ready to just pour out fire. Because that's what Jesus said. How I wish the fire was already. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus said how I wish that the fire was already blazing. And then Thank you. Yeah. And so here here here's this instructor saying I don't want you to become sluggish. Sluggish means that you'll take things that will diminish the free flowing of the Holy Spirit. It'll, it'll be where you try to package the Holy Spirit in some nice package. Really? Ha! <laughs> the Holy Spirit's never been packaged nicely. Ha! He's never been acceptable to religion. And to religious people, when people see the Holy Spirit and they start to go, oh, oh, no, I don't think that's right and everything else. Really? They set themselves up as a judge of God. And they wonder why the favour of God doesn't flow in their life. Like, wake up, let the lift go to the top floor. Don't become sluggish. Rather, it says in Scripture, Take your example from people. Take your example from people who have kept their fire and have kept their passion. That's the story of Hebrews 11. Whoa. So there's a few key words in this passage we're sort of looking at. Don't become sluggish. Don't start to think you've got a time problem. See, when people start to think they've got a time problem, it's usually an indicator that they've got a sluggish problem. Ha! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm so blessed having Tom in the church because it's so easy to just get clinical when you read Scripture and, and, and you can just read a passage about after the gate beautiful, a man went walking and leaping and praising God. And, and it's wonderful it's in the Bible, but when someone does it in the modern church, <laughs> like, that's disruptive. And do you know what? You don't read one sentence that one Jew got upset about a man walking, leaping, and praising God in the temple. It's just interesting. So anyway, don't become sluggish, but rather, it says, follow those, take lessons from, pattern yourself on, those who become inheritors of the promises of God. It says, 
Learn from those who have inherited promises. And how we want to be those who inherit. Now, to inherit implies a few things. It implies relationship. It implies relationship. I, I, I said this story. When I was in, when I was in uh, hospital at Wakefield, in, in sort of the Rolls-Royce version of going to hospital, it was, it was awesome. I had my own personal electric lazy boy chair to be, that would come up so I didn't have to bend and you could just back into it and then push the button and go down. Because they said, well, you're not have to, supposed to have any pressure up here where it's all just been uh, cut open. And so uh, it's so there and a nice carpet on the floor and a nice bay window where we could sit. And once I was able to walk and, and oh, it was nice. And this amazing food that came in three times a day and it was just, the trouble was that I wasn't feeling like eating anything. So... It's never mind. And, and so, but I had one nurse that uh, was there one evening. It was, it was the first night after I came out of ICU. And, and she was there and she, oh, she, she was just, she looked unhappy. I thought she needed some help. <laughs> and I'd just done some work. And, and so I said, well, whenever there's a, wherever there's a, a will, and she went, yeah, 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 wherever there's a will, there's a way. I said, no, 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 wherever there's a will, there's a relation. <laughs> and she stopped. <laughs> and she looked at me and went, oh, you've got, I've never heard that one before. And the next one, she cracks up laughing. And she went, oh, you just made my night. And, <laughs> and suddenly she was all smiles and happy again. I mean, one bad dad joke and she's, and she. <laughs> <laughs> Her life was getting changed. Ah, yeah, inherit implies a relationship. It implies looking forward. It implies taking a reference point of what's going to come. And so inheritance is actually mentioned over 230 times in Scripture. I haven't looked at them all yet. I had a big look at a whole bunch of them. Inheritance is a major theme of Scripture. Why? Because we're supposed to be having the inheritance of the saints in light. So why think about the darkness when there's an inheritance of light? Why talk about the darkness? Oh, there's so much darkness in the earth. Well, that's your problem. Because <laughs> you're not being the light of the world. <laughs> and so we have to learn to place value on what God's calling us into and value on the inheritance that we have in light. The, and we're supposed to have an armor of light as well. And I'm getting excited. Good preaching, Seth. You see, in an inheritance, the focus is always on what is to come and, and also what you're going to get. Oh. Oh. So just let that sit for a moment and let's just take a lesson from Scripture because we have all these stories of Scripture to help us walk in the revelation God wants us to walk in. And so I'm going to go right back to the Old Testament to the story of Lot. The story of Lot is an interesting story. And, and, and Lot was able to choose the, what he was going to have for his, 
possession. And he chose according to the value of what the world called valuable. And so he chose the best farming land. He chose the place where there was going to be a lot of people where they could sell the produce of what he was farming and, and get good money. And, and, and he, he, he chose according to a value system from this world. But he had an uncle who had some angels come and visit them, him and, and, and say, God's going to destroy the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham goes, that's where my nephew is. He's, he's, he's down there. He chose poorly. But still he's there. And he says, God, is there any hope? And in the end, of course, the story goes on. Hey, yes, there is always hope. That's what it talks about in the passage I just read. But they couldn't find enough righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so God just has to send angels down to, to Lot and to his family. And they were just given an instruction saying, we've got a different inheritance for you. But don't look back to the inheritance you chose. You're going to have to get a new value system. So they go, and then, of course, the story is, whoa, that was nice. The story is that, <laughs> whoa, yeah, but, mm. the story is that Lot's wife let her soul Be the decision maker instead of yielding to the spirit or the message of the angels. And she looked back at her old value system. And immediately, we read, she was turned into a pillar of salt. Now that's interesting for me. Because I, I know from my studies of classic and history that at that time salt was very valuable and even in English up to a few years ago there was an expression that when someone had great value we had the expression they're worth their salt the Roman army was many times paid in salt not in money because they could trade the salt and make more money So here, this lady who looked back at the old value system and looked back at what had been, suddenly was turned into what the world called great value, but it's now lifeless. And when we turn to the value system of the world, when God's calling us higher, we're going to become lifeless. And we'll never inherit what there is. This is good stuff, eh? Because God's trying to get us focused on an inheritance that is eternal. And Peter says, it doesn't fade away. And it's timeless. 
and it doesn't rust and it doesn't decay. It's, it, it's glorious. So how do we get that? How do we become an inheritor? Two things we're told. Faith. <laughs> faith. I love talking about faith. Has anyone ever noticed that? I love it. Because faith is the key to victory. Faith is seeing the God factor in everything. Seeing the God factor. I've told the story of being in England. I'm going to tell it again because it's a God story. It's not a my story. And going down the line and just, just praying for people. We're going to do a fire tunnel soon, but I'm just praying down this line. This morning I was up and catch the fire in Auckland. And as I say, they meet and we ended up as a building probably nearly as wide as this. And, and, uh, and so there was two lines right across. And, and then it was out and into the passageway and up the passageway and, and right around a big foyer. And I, I had two helpers that just helping me. And we're walking along and it was just gloriously, chaotically wonderful kingdom demonstration. And Hosea <laughs> I used to hold her. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> We've got a special prayer coming up soon. Oh, look what happened to this. <laughs> At least I can see it now. <laughs> All the words just suddenly went very big. So seeing the God factor in everything. So I was praying for this, and, and suddenly as this man fell under the anointing, and, and I, I suddenly got prompted. I leaned down and said, how's your wife? I didn't even know if he had a wife. I, I said, how's your wife? And he burst into tears, miracle number one, an Englishman's crying. And so, and he goes, she's got six weeks to, look, to live. She's dying of cancer. My immediate reaction was, we can soon fix that. Give me a handkerchief. So he blessed this handkerchief and said, stick that on her. And six days later, I get a communication when I'm now in Germany. And the pastor who had been the host said, they've just been to the doctor. And she's just been declared cancer free. Because I didn't look. At the cancer, I looked at the healer. And I said, we can soon fix that. And then we've got to let that thing of faith arise in us. We don't process problems. We declare the victory. We can be like David, who set the Lord always before him. And that will build faith. I mean... No Christian should ever listen to the doubts of the devil. That's just absolute stupidity. Why cooperate with the devil? Instead, we've got to learn to place great value on what the Savior, the healer, the baptizer, and the coming king is saying.
We've got to believe the promises of God, not the doubts of the devil. And, and, and so faith. Yeah. And patience. What did Jesus say when he was there? It was, in patience, possess your soul. We read it in Matthew. In patience, possess your soul. What does it mean? So, you're not in control. So, you're not the decision maker around here. In patience, possess your soul. In patience, bring your soul into line. Another point is where patience is not being shaken about by winds and doctrines and fads and everything else. People have said to me, how has the river kept flowing for 25 years? Because we didn't just get distracted. We continued. And whether the service went to midnight or for one hour, we said, Holy Spirit, here we go. And before church, Holy Spirit, here we go. And how do we have patience? Because you don't get double-minded. See, I've learned this over the years. Being a Christian is actually really easy. I knew there would be a clunk right there. It's been double-minded and sucking on the stuff from the world and taking values from the world systems that causes the problem. Being a Christian is easy. Trust in the Lord with everything. That's easy. When you're single-minded and focused, people accused me a few years ago. They said to me, said, you're just really single-minded. You're... You're that I was narrow-minded. I said, absolutely. I, I took it as a compliment. They were doing it as an... Uh, I said, why should I want to... I want just all these things. Well, really, that's not going to get me much help. But being narrow-minded on what Jesus died for, being narrow-minded on what he ascended for, when he said, it's for your good I'm going away, being very focused on what the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying I'm perfect, I'm on a journey, but I'm just, it's just good. And this is what I find, that the river of God doesn't dwindle out, it gets wider, it gets deeper. So the more we focus on the Holy Spirit, and the more we make room for the Holy Spirit, and the more we allow patience to possess our soul, we actually enter into more. We enter into more. But when we allow the human soul to start to shape some stuff, you'll end up with less. That's just the way it is. And of course, both those, faith and patience, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, God said, I'm going to help you get to inheriting the promises. And he wants us to be inheritors so much that he, he's promising to pour out his spirit. He, he wants to pour out his spirit. Oh, I'll just say it again. He, he wants to pour out his spirit. You say, well, I, 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 I only just want a little bit. Well, you see, we read this scripture about the people in the wilderness who, it says, they all drank from the spirit, but they died in the wilderness. 
Why? Because they still kept a value system from the world and didn't change their value system. So therefore, they could not inherit the promises. So the key to inheriting is learning how to yield to the Spirit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's going so Thank you. Oh. So there's a little passage that I want to share. It's Philippians 2 verse 13. And you'll read it in different translations about, for it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. But there's a man, William Barclay, who is a great scholar, and he translated it this way in his translation. It's God who puts in you the will to desire and then gives you the power to achieve. And that's why we get under the anointing. That's why we say, come and have some more. That's why we say, open yourself up for the Spirit. Because it's God putting wills to desire inside us and then giving us the power to achieve. We didn't arrive here because we were clever. We arrived here because God gave us the power to achieve. We haven't kept the river flowing because we're smart. It's just because God put within us the will to desire and the power to achieve. And so, as I think about closing, or going to the next step anyway, we see that the mark of an inheritor, as I see it in this passage, is to be one who continues to cooperate with the Holy Spirit instead of saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to cooperate with me. Because the Christian church worldwide has got really good at saying, God, come and bless what I'm doing. But Jesus gave us an example. He says, I do what I see the Father doing. And I go to bless what I see my Father is blessing. And so the mark of an inheritor of the promises is people who are learning to yield to the Spirit and to cooperate with the Spirit. And when you think about some of the heroes of faith, even in the last century or so, the, the Smith Wigglesworth, the Catherine Kuhlmans, the, 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 what, what's the mark on their life? They've learned how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. They've learned how to yield to the Spirit. They've learned how to place great value on the way the Spirit does things. And suddenly you see the evidence of the power of the kingdom. Oh, ah! So, the mark of an inheritor, someone who continues to cooperate with the Spirit, who keeps on being filled with the Spirit, who lets the Spirit lead, even when it seems strange according to human wisdom. And more importantly, when it seems like it's flying in the face of religious traditions. And let's face it, there's a lot of Pentecostals that become very religious. So we've got to learn to be like these inheritors and be like Abraham who believed the promise in the face of natural impossibility. To be like Joseph who was convinced of the promise that God had for the nation. And to be like Daniel, have you come to help me too? Excellent. And to be like Daniel who was simply, the Bible says, possessed 
by the promise of the return to Jerusalem. So we're invited, in Hebrews, we're invited to be in the same company. Because it says, and they without us are not complete. So there's an opportunity All through the New Testament, we are encouraged to be filled with the Spirit. It's God's way so that we can be inheritors of His promises. So what if we were to pray with increased passion and fire? Lord, would you increase my inebriation? And the Spirit... Would you, because you see, for someone to be naturally drunk, it means they've been willing to lose control. But we all know what it's like to see people who they start getting touched and suddenly it's like, whoa, the barriers go. Oh, I'm getting out of control. Stop. Whoa, this is, whoa. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. You know, I've told this story many times, but I felt the Lord tell me that I was to just quickly tell it again. That See, I wasn't always like this. We've been having a move of God back in the 80s with the, the youth, and God was doing some amazing things, and amazing things were happening. And one day we were about to have another young adult's uh, special time, which in the spirit would just get poured out. It was glorious. There was angelic stuff going on, and... And, and I went along to, I, I just had this stirring and, and so I was at work and I said to my boss, look, I've just got to go down to church. And I went to, I knew there was just a few old people and, and it wasn't that it was a, a wonderfully inspiring prayer meeting, it was pretty boring actually. But I just lay on the carpet before the Lord. I'm just saying, God, without you, it's nothing. And I was just laying there on the carpet, and God spoke to me. The Spirit spoke and said, are you willing to be a fool for me? And being an engineer, I went, what does that mean? And he said, that's not the question. Are you willing to be a fool for me? And my next question was, so what's it going to look like? That's not the question. Are you willing to be a fool for me? What's going to happen? That's not the question. Are you willing to be? And so in the end, I just said, Lord, I gave my life to you. I belong to you. I don't care. I had no idea what was going to happen as the years unfolded. I had no idea that this... What happens now is going to happen. But I don't regret the fact that I was willing to say yes to a question I didn't understand, that I was willing to say yes to something that I knew may not always be polite and make sense. And I've had so many leaders in New Zealand say, Seth, why can't you just preach properly? I, I go, this is proper preaching. For me, 
So, what if we were to pray with passion and fire? Lord, increase my inebriation and the spirit. See, when, even when I say something like that, there are some people I can feel it in the room going, which is usually a good sign that you need to get inebriated. <laughs> But you see, it's so easy for our instinct to kick in and for us to process something and, and, and take a. But what if we were to place incredible value on being filled with the Spirit? Past the point of our control, past the point of our reasoning, past the point of, 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 past the, point of the reference points that we are so accustomed to in human life. What if that is what God's calling us to hire? I believe it is. I believe that there is an outpouring of the Spirit that's destined for us. And I believe it's already started. That it's it's going to overshadow what we saw in the last 20 years. What was seen in the great outpourings of the healing revival and the great outpourings of the fasting revival and the great outpourings of, of, of Azusa Street and the great outpourings of the Welsh revival. and Because the river's getting wider and it's getting deeper. But it's looking for those who will not place value on what has been, but place value on what is to come. So can you stand with me, please? Again, I've shared before that uh, when the Spirit fell in 95, it wasn't just out of nowhere. We had been placing value every Saturday night, coming together to worship and to lay hands and just to say, God, we need your Spirit more than we've ever had it before. Because never make a spiritual decision based on human comfort. Place spiritual decisions based on spiritual values. Can I have the pre-ministry team come up, please? We're going to do a fire tunnel. Because as I said, we don't have a time problem. We have a fire and passion problem. Imagine being known as Holy Spirit arsonists. Imagine being known as a Holy Spirit arsonist. Holy Spirit, we say yes. You may be brave enough to say, Lord, increase my inebriation from the Spirit. I would encourage you to do it. But we are saying, Lord, as we go through this fire tunnel tonight, Let it be that 
a revelation of the value of the Holy Spirit is freshly released to each one of us so that we will be inheritors and not pillars of salt. In Jesus' name, amen.